is KPFK 90.7 FM. Let's move the world to a better place. A world without war, a world without race, a world where our leaders follow our will, not where we let them convince us to kill. Let's move the world to a better place, a world with a future we're happy to face, a world without gods that never existed, a world where the truth will not be resisted. Hello, everybody. This is uh, this is Lila Garrett. Uh, oh no, no, no! Wait, it's it's not Lila Garrett today. <laughs> Sorry about it. Mistaken identity. This is Harvey Sluggo Wasserman. I usually do the California Solartopia show at uh, six thirty p.m. on Thursday. I will be doing it again this week, but I'm filling in this morning for the great Lila Garrett. She's a bit under the weather. Asked me to come in with the fabulous Tom English. We're both here in the uh, in the studio. We got set on the board and David Swanson and Alan Minsky on the phone. Life is good, uh, except we're on the brink of nuclear war and destroying the planet. So two small details here. <laughs> but we are filling in for Lila. We love her, dear. Lila, we love you, dear. We hope you're listening in. Uh, she's a bit under the weather. She will be back on the air uh, next week at uh, 7 a.m. Uh, as usual, this is the uh, a, a greatly rated, beautiful show that she's been doing for 17 years, Connect the Dots. And uh, that peace song uh, kind of says it all this morning. Uh, uh, Alan Minsky, you with us? I am Harvey Wasserman, and shout out to Lila Garrett. Yeah. Um, see you soon, Lila, and uh, looking forward to having you back on air. It's great to be here with you today, Harvey. Yes, indeed. And, and, uh, and David Swanson, you're with us? I'm with you. Hi, Lila. Lila, and Lila's doing great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, of course, you know, it happens all the time. Lila and I are walking down the street together, and people mistake us one for the other. We kind of look like, like oh, twins, yeah. you know. And I, I do have to tell you that uh, the reason that Lila is not here is that she took <clears throat> a head hit yesterday, uh, quarterbacking the Philadelphia Eagles. It was it was brutal, but uh, she'll, she'll be okay uh, next week. Uh, the Eagles are out of the playoffs, so she won't be playing. Um, uh, we've got so much uh, to deal with, uh, uh, Tom. We've got your song keyed up, which we'll play uh, in, in a few minutes. But Great. I do want to get going here. I mean, the big news, of course. And before we lose track of it, um, we have got to talk about the fires in Australia. Uh, th- this is the apocalypse. I mean, we saw it here in Northern California. Eighty, Apparently, 80% of the world's koala bears are burned up. Um, uh, you know, this is... This is the 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 uh, apocalypse uh, uh, for the weather there, and of course they have a right wing uh, a guy. I you know I wondered about the last uh, Australian election. Um, all the polls showed the uh, the left winning, and then uh, just at the last minute the right wing guy won, and nobody said a word. Uh, Alan or David, did either of you follow the Australian election? I did. Yes. Let's hear about it. What do you think? Well. You know, there's there are questions about how something like that happens, but Murdoch, again, a, a little bit like Brexit, um, and a little bit like Hillary Clinton, um, without bringing in, and, and of course we can question uh, the integrity of the election, uh, the, the process, the votes, etc. But when you have something, you have you have sort of a a left uh, or a progressive, whatever you want to call them, a centrist establishment. Let's say that 
with the Democratic Party in the United States and with uh, David Cameron believing that you know, Brexit would lose. And the polls are saying 52 to 48, and they're telling you it's a sure thing. You know, in, in Australia, what was very tragic about what happened is the Labor Party was running on one of the greenest platforms we've had from, um, you know, a major party um, in a major country, where obviously the environmental crisis has been hitting very hard Australia, um, the, the climate emergency, already before this year. Um, but then Murdoch came in with a blitz, uh, an unprecedented blitz. And imagine a media landscape where Murdoch's influence is almost exponentially greater than in the United States of America. And that is one of the main things people point to as to what happened and how the election got swung. But going into races, confident that you're going to win, cocky that you're going to win at 52-48 in all the polls, even 53-47 is, you know, just foolish. Um, it's sad in the Labor Party. I wouldn't actually uh, put what the uh, Australian Labor did in the same camp as Hillary Clinton's campaign and David Cameron's Remain um, campaign. But uh, so it was a very, very tragic result. But um, it wasn't as much of a gap as people uh, talk about it as being that same as with Clinton, same as with the Brexit vote. Well, of course, uh, uh, I have a, a, a predisposition to talking about stolen elections, having witnessed one up close and personal in Ohio 2004, and I've been writing about it with uh, my, my co-conspirator Bob Fatrakis ever since. But we saw an election just flat out stolen in, uh, in Ohio, and uh, you know George W. Bush never should have had a second term. He shouldn't have had a first term, of course. And one of the basic gripes uh, that I have and many of us on the left have with the Democratic Party here in the United States is it's never taken up the issue of election theft. Uh, you know, 2000 was obviously stolen. Alan Go Al Gore has never said a word about the Electoral College or the disenfranchisement of people of color or the flipping of electronic voting machines, you know, the Absolutely. big three. 100%. And if anybody doesn't believe at this point that this represents a crisis for American democracy, um, you know, even if, even if it were true that, um, it, that no election has been proven to be stolen through the process of, say, flipping votes on a computer, and that's a massive if, um, obviously an if that you clearly feel is not the case, and with good reason, um, but even if that were the case, it is simply a material fact, with good reason, that the American public no longer has faith in the electoral system, and that is devastating to de democracy. So, by the way, you know, I'm the, I'm the executive director of Progressive Democrats of America, and just yesterday, you know, in our national email at the top of the year, our first Sunday email out to our supporters, the theme was about uh, the very issues that we're talking about and voting rights and the suppression of voting rights because it, it represents a huge crisis of democracy and obviously a pivotal election year here. Well, let's talk. I, I do want to uh, more properly introduce you. We have two tremendous guests on the phone and another one in the studio here. Uh, Alan Minsky, longtime uh, um, program director here at KPFK, still a producer. Um, you hear him on the fun drives. And uh, uh, now running uh, as executive director, one of the truly most important organizations in the United States, uh, the Progressive Democrats of America. Major, and, uh, Alan actually was present uh, at the moment when Bernie decided to run for president. Uh, might as well talk about that one, Alan. You can uh, take that you one to your, tell your grandparent, tell your grandchildren about that oh, one. Oh, but it, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's untrue. Oh, that I, I, you know, get this. I saw small detail. 
I saw it. I saw Bernie Sanders the evening before. But with my beloved daughter, we were going to Florida to see my aunt and uncle. I set up the venue for the event at the Union Musicians Hall on behalf of Progressive Democrats of America and Bernie Sanders. Uh, and if you go and read Bernie Sanders' um, biography, Our Revolution, autobiography, Our Revolution, which is about you know, the 2016 campaign, he clearly points to the event in Los Angeles set up by PDA and PDA's Run Bernie Run campaign as basically being the force that uh, convinced him to run for president. Uh, and PDA started that in 2013, the Run Bernie Run campaign. Good for you. Good for you. And, and um, uh, uh, Alan, uh, how do people get a hold of you on Progressive Democrats of America just for future reference? We, I always do this early in the show because we tend to lose track of time when we get into, the, into uh, small details like the uh, impending war in Iran. So how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, oh boy. Um, uh, let me say even before that, we, are, we were founded as a um, as a peace advocacy organization, remain that to our core, Progressive Democrats of America, and our website is pdamerica.org, pdamerica.org, and to reach me, it's Alan, A-L-A-N, at pdamerica.org. And that's America with a C. We're not, refer- we're not reverting back to the uh, uh, Abby Hoffman smelling. David Swanson, you are one of the great peace activists uh, in the country today. Uh, you're part of Roots Action. Uh, tell us how you would uh, like people to think of you as we proceed into the hour here. And by the way, we will take phone calls uh, in the second half hour of the show. We've got a full hour. We've got three great guests, and um, we will want to hear from you at 818-985-735, 818-985-KPFK, but after the half hour. So, uh, uh, David Swanson, it's an honor to have you on the show, and you will be speaking in Los Angeles upcoming. So why don't you tell us about Roots Action, and then tell us where you're going to be speaking. Uh, I'll be speaking on the 18th uh, of January, which is a Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, at the Peace Center in Culver City, uh, where you and I uh, were part of an event not too long back, Harvey, uh, and lots of other great speakers and musicians. Uh, everybody's going to be there, 6.30 p.m., January 18th at the Peace Center. Uh, and for those who are uh, Rotary Club people, there's a big national or international uh, Rotary convention uh, that same weekend in Ontario, California, and I'll be leading a workshop there on Friday the 17th. Um, yeah, Roots Action is one organization I work for, and I would encourage people right this minute to go to rootsaction.org and click the action that's at the top. It's, a, it's an online activist group, uh, and we have a form set up with uh, one click. You can email your representative and your two senators to say, vote yes on the resolutions that have been forced to votes by Senator Tim Kaine, my senator from Virginia, who for the first time uh, that I can recall has done something I agree with and don't oppose, uh, and representatives Barbara Lee from California and Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, uh, those uh, representatives and senator have introduced resolutions under the War Powers Resolution of 1973 to force votes, whether the so-called leadership of Congress wants it or not, uh, on banning any U.S. war on Iran. Uh, and uh, I think it's it's well worth our time uh, to, to take that little step, to push that forward, uh, as well as many other things we need to do to try to avoid 
uh, war on Iran. Uh, one of the other groups I work for is World Beyond War, and people can go to worldbeyondwar.org and learn a lot more about how to get involved in that. Oh, fantastic. And uh, you are both of you guys are top of the heap here in terms of the uh, movements for peace. And in the studio, we have the great Tom English. Uh, we're going to play your song at the half hour, Tom. Right. Um, and you're going to you pipe in uh, whenever you can. Tom is one of, the, one of our most entertaining and brilliant uh, performers for peace uh, all over the country. So we're going we're gonna to hear your song at the half hour and pipe in wherever you want, okay? Great. Great. Uh, yeah, it just uh, all of a sudden uh, it couldn't be more relevant Relevant in terms of this assassination and, you know, the excuse being that, you know, he was going to threaten American lives. It's always the same old stupid game. You'd think people would wake up. but Well, it's, it's actually quite amazing, and uh, you guys pipe in, but uh, uh, this is, was widely predicted. I mean, there's no surprise here, and and uh, it was all. Everybody knew that this w- would be a wag. There would be a wag the dog moment when Donald Trump, uh, co- coming into uh, the election of 2020, uh, would start a war. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, this was being talked about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that this is what he did. I never talk about him being reelected. By the way, he was not elected in the first place, and I never talk to call him president. Um, because I can't put apostrophes or asterisks or whatever when I'm speaking. I do it when I write. But, you know, uh, this guy is not the president legitimately, and he was not elected in the first place. So uh, let's not use this term uh, reelected. But um, uh, Alan Minsky uh, characterized for us, uh, and you and I have personally talked about this many times, uh, this assassination and where it fits in the uh, American electoral process. Well, I think pretty much you summarized the most obvious point that um, Donald Trump, uh, you know, Barack Obama had uh, on his resume proudly the extrajudicial killing, proudly for Obama, um, uh, the extrajudicial killing of Osama bin Laden, um, as seen by him and his supporters as a feather in his cap. Now, uh, if one believes in justice, international justice, just justice in general. Osama bin Laden, when he was trapped and about to be assassinated, should have been arrested and brought to trial. Um, yeah, I know that even on KPFK listeners, there might be people out there who, who take issue with what I said. I, I feel that is simply um, that stands with, with what the international justice and law says. Um, Similar in this case, if this person has uh, got a, a provable case for uh, crimes and major crimes and international crimes. Um, and, of course, uh, Trump had earlier uh, was um, going, certainly going to boast as a candidate about the killing of the person who had founded the caliphate, um, of which ISIS was organized around, and Baghdadi. So... Um, you know, that this, however, okay, so he, you know, he sort of felt like, okay, he had that to boast about. Was Donald Trump going to evade um, warmongering as a president in his first term? And what's the relationship of this to the impeachment trial, to the fact that we're now finally in the election year 2020 in our never-ending presidential election process? Um, yeah, I mean, common sense suggests that this is a wag the dog operation uh, done for, and also with Donald Trump and everything we know about Donald Trump, I mean, yes, politicians, many of them highly narcissistic. In that regard, Trump is off the charts. It seems almost dispositionally impossible not to act primarily out of self-interest. 
So yeah. all of that adds up to the uh, clear perception that this was done for the single reason of Donald Trump's um, gain. And what it does do, of course, is uh, set the world on a war footing like we haven't been in, in in the United States for all of our hideous overseas activities uh, directed by the ghouls in the White House and Trump um, uh, on a war footing like we haven't been for a while now um, in a hot war footing. And it's an incredibly, incredibly dangerous moment for for the world and, yes, for the country the United States yeah, you point out something very quickly, and then we'll go to uh, important, and then we'll go to David Swanson. I mean, we've been having these um, uh, forever wars in Afghanistan and and Iraq. Uh, you know, it's like uh, having a tooth toothache, uh, but it, it's not been a, on, on a full fledged war, war footing. This really takes us to another level. Uh, I, I doubt that Donald Trump has any mental comp- comprehension of, of what's going on here, but we have seen. Um, the, the Iraq now, uh, the, the Iranians. Now, people have to understand, there are 80 million people in Iran. This is not like some tiny country here. They, they are very advanced industrially. I do want to point out one thing uh, you know, before we lose track. There was a time under Jimmy Carter where France was going to sell Iran uh, uh, to the Shah uh, uh, 36 nuclear power plants. And imagine, and then the revolution happened, uh, uh, Khomeini came in, uh, uh, and uh, the, it didn't happen. But imagine if Iran had 36 atomic power plants at this moment. I mean, it's completely insane. So those of us in the anti-nuclear movement who fought against the things, in this case, successfully can at least uh, take some um, uh, pride in, in the fact that we prevented that from happening, just like we prevented nuclear weapons from being used in Vietnam. David Swanson, um, uh, you, you, uh, this is your issue, um, peace and, and war and peace, and we are on the brink of it, as Alan says, as, as we've never been before. Um, uh, tell us uh, your innermost thoughts here. Well, you know, you can go back and look at magazines from the 1970s in the United States with the Shah as the as the salesman for nuclear energy, uh, with the nuclear energy uh, bestowed on him from the United States. And, of course, the CIA also gave Iran plans for how to build a nuclear bomb, uh, the alleged uh, leaking of which uh, sent Jeffrey Sterling to prison as a whistleblower. Uh, this this is, I would agree with Alan, uh, a very Trumpian crisis, but it also has been in the works literally for decades. Uh, there have been people in Washington, D.C., in government, in high positions who've wanted to attack Iran since 1979. The Shah's son, for God's sakes, has been living in Bethesda, Maryland, waiting his turn to be installed as a, as a puppet of the U.S. government in Iran. The, the United States Congress, this Congress, uh, not only just gave Donald Trump more military money than he even asked for, uh, and when you add up all the agencies and departments, possibly more military spending than the United States has ever engaged in before, uh, but stripped out of the House version of the National Defense Authorization Act, among dozens of wonderful things, a ban on war on Iran. But it has also refused to impeach Donald Trump for for any of his wars or any of his threats, even of nuclear war, including against Iran, has imposed vicious sanctions on Iran. Uh, And in the lead up to this murder, uh, you had leading members of Congress from both parties 
uh, publicly accusing Donald Trump of being weak on Iran, being too dovish, needing to Jeez. to be forceful mm, and make God. people fear us again, uh, so that Trump uh, explained his action as a response to the criticism. You know, people like Chuck Schumer have wanted to overthrow the government of Iran for years and years, uh, and of course the the nation of Israel wants a war with Iran, uh, and in many instances, even prior to this one, has practically instructed Donald Trump what to do. Uh, so not only is it not only is the nonsense about Soleimani being an imminent threat to the United States nonsense, and not only would it not justify murdering anyone even if it were true, but what we are told by the Prime Minister of Iraq uh, is that he was on a peace mission, that he was on a mission as, uh, as an envoy between Iran and Saudi Arabia, reporting back to Iraq, which was acting as intermediary in trying to make peace between Iran and Saudi Arabia, something Israel doesn't want, something the United States doesn't want, something Donald Trump and, and the weapons makers that fund the U.S. government don't want. Uh, so, you know, we have this problem that during the eight years that Barack Obama was president, nothing could be criticized. It was racist to criticize anything. Uh, and murder was made normal. And it's not just in a few cases or Osama bin Laden, but dozens of documented cases where someone could very easily have been arrested, the choice was instead to blow them up with a missile along with anybody who was nearby. Uh, and so this has been made the norm. But there's, there's no, there's no uh, indictment of Soleimani. There's no accusation of, of a crime for which to arrest him. If he should be arrested for waging war, well, so should Trump, so should Obama, so should Bush. So should half of Washington D.C. Uh, so this is this is murder normalized, uh, and you now have. And during the Obama years, you had liberal law professors going into Congress saying, "Well, this is totally okay if it's part of a war. It's murder if it's not part of a war, but if it's part of a war, it's totally fine." Now you have a you have a drone murder, and everybody's saying. Well, it's okay as long as it's not part of a war, as long as it doesn't start a war, right? So now it, it, it's just – it's purely murder made acceptable uh, because there's something militaristic about it. Well, it's not. It's, it's murder under Iraqi law. Uh, it, it's, it's war, which is a violation of the U.N. Charter and the Kellogg-Briand Pact, not to mention the U.S. Constitution. Uh, you know, there, there ought to be right now – prosecutions in the International Criminal Court, sanctions in the United Nations against Donald Trump and the United States government, uh, and the lifting of the sanctions on Iran, uh, and reparations made to the area. Uh, the, the, I mean, I spent an hour on press TV yesterday being asked, how do I respond to the crowds of Iranians demanding violent revenge, and, and having to try to talk my way out of that one. And I, I, my hope is that Iraq can still play a role as peacemaker, namely by kicking out U.S. troops uh, and having that appease the, the, the most vicious demands coming out of Iran. Uh, because the, the, the Iraqi parliament and the Iraqi prime minister want the U.S. troops out of their country. By what legal, moral, or practical standard should they stay in? Well, it's ironic. A couple of ironic things happen here. First of all, shocking to me, uh, one of the very worst of the uh, the Fox factious, 
I mean, one of the nastiest guys I've ever seen on television, uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, the guy with the bow tie who looks like he just came out of a frat house with, uh, the, who's the guy in the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh. It's like, yeah, and, uh, he, he always looks like he and, and Kavanaugh have just been at a, a keg party. <laughs> but uh, he, he, was, he seemed to been pretty freaked out by, this, uh, by, by what Trump has done here. He's very negative on Trump. First time I've ever seen that. Uh, did any of you catch Tucker Carlson responding to this? Well, he's been an exception uh, in recent years to Fox News when it's come to anti-war voices uh, and pro-whistleblower voices uh, and questioning of war lies and, uh, and you know, phony justifications for war, such as chemical attacks uh, in Syria, uh, etc. He's, he's, not, he's not been someone who agrees with me on most things. Uh, and I resent the fact that he's sitting on the the money from uh, Swanson TV dinners empire that <laughs> I was you know asked every day when I was growing up. Oh, Swanson, do you get the money from the? No, I don't. I'm broke. It's Tucker Carlson has it. Uh, but, <laughs> but he he has been you know that not every not everything in the corporate media monolith is entirely a monolith, and he has been an exception in in some of these cases. Yeah, well, I got to say that it's been disorienting for me uh, to watch George Will. I mean, I, George Will, I, I just could not stand George Will. He just drove me up, up the tree. I just wanted to put a pie in his face. Um, uh, and, and suddenly, you know, with Trump in here, he's been really, he's been really ragging on Trump. Let me, uh, let me read you um, uh, a quote here from one of our founders, one of our very conservative founders, James Madison, um, uh, on war here. Of all the enemies, this is James Madison who wrote the Bill of Rights, uh, the greatest document as far as I'm concerned in human history. The, the First Amendment is the greatest paragraph or single sentence, really, in human history. And just for the, those of you who missed it, because we're going to be, if we're in war, boy, it's going to be under attack. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievances. Tom here in the studio will testify that did not read that. Uh, when I was teaching U.S. history, I had my students uh, gave them extra credit on the midterm if they could write the whole thing verbatim uh, out of their heads. Uh, and here's, Tom, here's James Madison on war. Quote, of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it compromises and develops the germs of every other. War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. In war, too, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments, hey, there's that phrase, mm -hmm. emoluments, uh, is multiplied. And all the means of seducing the minds are added, M-I-N-D-S, are added to those of subduing the force of the people. The same malignant aspect in republicanism may be traced in the inequality of fortunes and the opportunities of fraud growing out of a state of war and in the degeneracy of manners and morals engendered by both. No nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. I think that, you know, no truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, Alan Minsky, PDA, your organization plays a big role 
in fighting this kind of stuff that James Madison warned about. You ought to put his his quote out there and and uh, uh, see what your followers say. But what is your course of action here uh, in dealing with this now? Oh well, we will be uh, hitting uh, you know full mobilization mode, uh, both mobilizing uh, as activists against the war and doing our work to support legislation like the legislation that David cited, uh, the legislation also introduced by Ro Khanna and Bernie Sanders, um, to try to stop the machinery of war from kicking into gear. Um, I know we're going to go to a break halfway. I actually was hoping David could offer some um, reflections on uh, how distinct this assassination was. It seems that if you sort of take um, you know, sort of a standard Cartesian plane with two indices of um, the degree to which this was an extrajudicial assassination, which, of course, the United States has participated in many times before. But uh, the degree in which this um, was not aware, was something that the public wasn't aware of, and yet was a massive assassination that basically sets the world on a war footing. Um, how distinct was this kind of high-profile assassination for the American public and for most of the world completely out of the blue uh, to spark this kind of action? Uh, obviously, Osama bin Laden comes to mind, the uh, head of state of South Vietnam that was effectively assassinated in the Ken- during the Kennedy Yeah, Ziem. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. How? Because, again, that seems like in the United States of America was – Practicing torture, we all know it was practicing torture before Bush and Cheney, but it's still significant for a state to declare in the context of the world uh, after the Geneva Convention, etc., that it supports torture. It was a incredibly dire and horrifying fact about the Bush-Cheney years. This, that, you know, this narcissistic, autocratic leader, again, in the context of which right-wing authoritarian ethno-nationalist leaders are spreading like wildfire tragically across the globe. Don't mean to make reference to Australia unintentionally there, so to double on the tragedy. But uh, how, how distinct do you consider this action to be um, in, in its, le- its, sort of its, its uh, danger level for international relations uh, during the era of the American imperium? That's a good one. And uh, David, I'm going to ask you to a- answer that. Then we will go to uh, uh, Nisette has the uh, uh, Tom English, who's in the studio here, uh, his uh, his uh, uh, beautiful song. Uh, we're going to go to that. After that, uh, we will we'll take a, a, a start taking your questions. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. Call in for Alan Minsky, David Swanson, uh, Tom English, and me. Uh, Lyle, I mean uh, Harvey Wasserman <laughs> sitting in for the great Lyle Garrett. Uh, uh, David, uh, 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 knock that one out of the park if you would. Well, my impression from uh, the little contact I have with people in the Middle East, in, in that part of Asia, is, is that this is not to be compared with uh, if Iran had killed James Mattis. I mean, this is absolute nonsense. This is to be compared with if Castro had proudly announced that he had killed John Kennedy and tweeted out a Cuban flag the day after. Uh, it, you know, James Matt. Nobody has a portrait of James Mattis hanging over their fireplace. I mean, this is this is a guy who was a hero not just to a country but to a region. Uh, Suleiman, you mean? Suleimani, the, the, the fellow who was killed. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, I mean, the, the the funeral happening now in Iran is the biggest event seen in in Iraq. Everybody is you know converging 
on the capital from the furthest reaches of Iran and outside Iran for this funeral. This is the, the a funeral that you know every every head of state would be at if if it were not Iran but any other country. Uh, and and so it, it, this is huge. That's that that's the. That's the political difference, the cultural difference. There's no legal difference between this and and many many other murders. Um, I, I I wanted to mention one other thing, if there's time, and that is not only is that quote from James Madison absolutely the best quote ever, but James Madison had the misfortune to become president and reverse his perspective entirely, as they all do, uh, and launch a war to take over Canada and Florida, among other things, uh, in 1812, and Congressman Daniel Webster go to the floor of the House and give us an even better quote uh, denouncing uh, the unconstitutional move by the guy who had written the Constitution and was now in the White House in trying to create a, uh, a draft. Uh, and if we had time, I would read you that quote from from Daniel Webster. Well, you can do it after the, after the break. We'll, we'll take that in the second part of the show. That'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, David, uh, I, I want to point out, of course, that James Madison, <laughs> you said you, Ma- you talked about Madison there. Uh, James Madison was actually forced to flee the White House uh, in, during the War of 1812. He, he, uh, you, you correctly, David Swanson, point out that uh, he turned into a war hawk, James Madison, uh, in his second term, and then actually lost the war, and the British uh, marched into Washington, D.C. and burned the White House. He barely got out, James Madison. And, uh, yeah, words don't always work out well. I don't recommend them. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we, we we saw how fast he was as a runner. And then the, 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 one of the most unfortunate things of the War of 1812 is that we wound up uh, with the Star-Spangled Banner, uh, written by Francis Scott Key, who was a, a slave owner. Uh, after the, uh, after the uh, Redcoats burned D.C. and forced James Madison to flee, uh, they sent their, the fleet up to... Uh, to get Baltimore, and uh, Fort McHenry kept him out, and that's when that awful national anthem was written, which I hope we can really replace as soon as possible. We're going to listen. We have the great Tom English in the studio here. And, Lisette, can you play his uh, song, please? And after the, after the song, please do call in, if you like, 61—I always gave you my number, <laughs> 818-985-5735. I'm sitting in Harvey Washington. I'm sitting in for Lila Garrett, and here's uh, Tom English's song. Of the terror in the state You can war evermore To make hate a beta But when you kill the hater When you kill the hater You got it on the news Got the Jews killing Arabs While the Arabs kill the Jews And from Baghdad to Manhattan To the Tutsis and Hutus all the tit for tatins making everybody lose cause when you kill the hater you multiply the hate as a real exacerbator of the terror in the state you can war evermore to make hate abate but when you kill the hater the hater, you gotta run and hide, got your mater, got your pater, got your child, wide-eyed, come some hater, infiltrator from the other side, and you're staring at 
the crater and you're wondering why they died but when you kill the hater you multiply the hate that's the real exacerbator of the terror in the state you can roar evermore to make hate a beta but when you kill the hater funny how that works that you kill the hater seems that that should be that till your mind and your business later out of the blue you go wham splat when you kill the hater you spill that blood that's a, a hater generator every pound and thud better pharmaceutical a non-hater patch kill hate your boomerang it up another batch cause when you kill the hater you multiply the hate you do you multiply the hate it's true you multiply the hate who Tom English, man, you are something else. Have you ever seen Tom English perform? He does an incredible song on Fukushima. Right. Uh, and you are you are fabulous, and that's a really powerful song. Thank you. Uh, trying to reach people, trying to get um, pry minds open, you know. It's uh, it's a uh, never-ending job. Well, I hope you'll be at this uh, event with uh, David Swanson. David, uh, We have David Swanson and, uh, of Roots Action and Alan Minsky of Progressive Democrats of America with us. We're talking about... Uh, the um, uh, the war, impending war. What is what's going to do to us? Uh, your calls are welcome in the second half hour. Eight one eight nine eight five five seven three five. David, you uh, mentioned that uh, uh, Daniel Webster had opposed uh, the War of eighteen twelve. You know, uh, Abraham Lincoln, as a congressman, a young congressman from Illinois, uh, gave a very powerful speech against the Mexican War. We have had massive opposition to every war in this country's history, even World War II. Uh, and uh, now uh, I think we're looking at uh, the primal moment here uh, for anti-war activism. What, uh, at Roots Action, are you recommending people do uh, in the face of this uh, insane provocation and uh, obvious wag-the-dog moment here? Well, that was a wonderful song, and I and if Tom English is not going to be at the uh, at the event at the Peace Center on the 18th, I will recommend uh, that Frank Dorrell uh, invite him to be. Um, I, I think uh, it's I will be there. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, terrific! Um, I. I I, I think it is encouraging that there were rallies this past weekend in some 90 U.S. cities and in London and in other cities abroad uh, against war uh, and in favor of peace and lifting sanctions and hostilities toward Iran, and that there were not any pro-war rallies uh, the way that there were back in 01 and 03, and there were not any pro-war counter-demonstrators harassing people at the anti-war rallies. The, the public opinion in the United States is overwhelmingly against war. I mean, you're in the, in the teens, uh, percentage-wise, of people in the United States who want to continue the existing wars. Uh, so we have come a long way in public opinion, just not so far in policy in Washington, D.C. Um, and uh, the reason I wanted to bring up Daniel Webster uh, is that uh, we actually are going to see an effort uh, in the U.S. Congress in the coming months 
either to get rid of the selective service and the draft and the ability of the U.S. military to rely on uh, its right to use a draft to expand wars should it choose, uh, or the expansion of those things to include women uh, in addition to men uh, as, a, as a matter of equal rights, that, that young women have the equal right to be forced against their will to go and kill and die for the profits of ExxonMobil. And, and when uh, Madison and the U.S. government tried to create a draft uh, during that war madness, uh, Daniel Webster went on the floor of the House and said this, the administration asserts the right to fill the ranks of the regular army by compulsion. Is this, sir, consistent with the character of a free government? Is this civil liberty? Is this the real character of our Constitution? No, sir, indeed it is not. Where is it written in the Constitution? In what article or section is it contained that you may take children from their parents and parents from their children and compel them to fight the battles of any war in which the folly or the wickedness of government may engage it? Under what concealment has this power lain hidden, which now for the first time comes forth with a tremendous and baleful aspect to trample down and destroy the dearest rights of personal liberty? End quote. Uh, and so Congressman DeFazio has introduced for the first time in, in the United States a bill which would end the selective service, end the draft, end all penalties, national and state, against anyone who has ever refused to register for the draft or to comply with for selective service or to comply with the draft. Uh, and so if, if you go to worldbeyondwar.org uh, or rootsaction.org, that's one uh, thing you'll find is a way to tell your Congress members in both houses uh, to support ending the barbarism of a military draft rather than expanding it uh, to women in, in the name of equal rights. Fantastic. Uh, uh, that, that's David Swanson. He's going to be speaking at the uh, Peace Center in the, in, on Sepulveda and on Co in Culver City. What's the date again? Now? It's uh, 6.30 p.m. on Saturday. Saturday. Saturday, eighteenth of January. I want to bring in, uh, Alan Minsky. We, the phone lines are, are lighting up here, so I, I want to get to that. But one other point I want to make sure we don't lose track of: Alan Minsky, of Progressive Democrats of America. The Iraqi government is apparently now going to ask all troop, foreign troops, to leave Iraq. Is this is this the end of the war in Iraq? Uh, is America because because Donald Trump killed this guy uh, in, in Iraq? Is this going to finally uh, are American troops going to actually leave Iraq at the bequest of the Iraqi government? Well, again, this goes uh, all the way back to the clear insanity of the Iraq War. If one is thinking in terms trying to get inside the heads of uh, people like the Project for the New American Century or Henry Kissinger or people like that. Um, Council on Foreign Relations type, um, you know, what the hell you take out a dictator so that supposedly your greater enemy, Iran, uh, will be the beneficiary and the gain of influence. And this is in many respects the when was the invasion of Iraq? It was 23. 2003. So spring of 2003. So it looks like been uh, 16 and three quarters year. It's been a long arc. <laughs> towards uh, ever-increasing Iranian influence in Iraq, uh, certainly the trend with a few hiccups along the way, but that's been the trend, and, uh, and now it's, it's coming to fruition. So, you know, the raw stupidity, selfishness, self-interestedness of the people who determine American foreign policy, let alone how murderous it is, 
uh, simply can't be overstated. It's astounding. It really is. With Alan Minsky of PDA, Progressive Democrats of America, David Swanson, coming to speak here uh, from Roots Action. And the phone lines now, we're going to go to uh, uh, Paige in Santa Monica. And, and uh, Harvey, before Paige, I do want to add this one thing. Yes, I please. Never lose, I never lose sight of the death of so many. Oh, let's go to Paige. Let's go to Paige. Okay. Uh, Paige in Santa Monica. That, uh, I am in Santa Monica. Yes, I am. Where I was born. Okay. What, what do you got on the, the Iraq, Iraq and Iran what war? What I have got is on you. Each one of you, I have listened a long time, and I feel some real affection for each of you and your voices. But I want to tell you that right now it sounds a little bit... Uh, precious to me for you to be bantering, chuckling, talking about um, uh, entertainment this way and that, I want to say that my view is actually since 1963 when JFK was assassinated, this country has been ashes playing around and those of you who can do what you're doing and I have love for you but it is not working yes it's not and, and Paige uh, 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 we've got a full line here but we, we feel affection for you thank you for the call and uh, the country has certainly not been the same since 1963, and uh, we all have a lot of theories about this, but this is not something John Kennedy would have done, that's for sure. Okay, Harvey, Paige, thank you Harvey, for the call. Harvey, could I, could I just chime in? Please. What I was about to say, which is a little bit in, in line with what Paige said, uh, as I was interrupting Paige rudely, and I apologize for that initially, is that one can never lose sight when one talks. You know, to me, it, it sticks in my craw to look at this from this kind of Bismarckian foreign policy perspective, as I just articulated with the stupidity, because also never lose sight of what we're talking about here uh, in the Iraq invasion was the loss of so many lives, so many innocent lives, people who had absolutely nothing to do with this level of geopolitical um, strategy. And, and slews of people were dead, slaughtered, lives completely destroyed by the Bush-Cheney actions. And of course, this sets us right onto that uh, footing again. And to Paige's point, however, I do think there's something very serious there. And by the way, I want to let people know that Roots Action and PDA are, are very close partners. And um, everything that David is saying is something that PDA will, will sign on to and support. But the peace movement, certainly since the tail end of Vietnam, um, the massive demonstrations, every time this happens, we really do need to see mobilization. And the peace movement, um, along with, you know, the politics of economy, which are integrally tied up into it, these are not silos that are separate, the left and the peace movement need to win. We need to win. We need to be strong enough and powerful enough to win. So I think what Paige was getting at is a very salient point. This isn't a matter of you going out and purging our souls and feeling better. It's a matter about creating a force domestically in the United States, powerful enough, take on the forces that are achieving death and destruction globally. And Absolutely. That's what we need to do right now and so take and, away. Harvey. And it's not just the war uh, in Iran. I mean, you know, we have 
danced around the war uh, war with Iran since Bush went into uh, you know Iraq and and uh, 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 Obama escalated in Afghanistan. But Iran is the elephant in the room. This is not a small country. This is not a weak country. This is not a poor country. Uh, and uh, you know it's one thing to go into uh, smaller countries and beat them up. Uh, Iran is not about to be beaten up by anybody. And uh, uh, people need to understand that. Nancy in Brentwood, we'll take your call, please. Nancy, you there? I'm county chair of the Peace and Freedom Party, and you bet our party is uh, here in Los Angeles, that is. And you can bet our party is going to have a lot to say. We've been a party of peace since the Vietnam War. But I I agree with most of what you're saying, especially that last remark. And, uh, but we had to link, well, first we had to understand that as long as we have capitalism, we're going to have imperialism, they, they work together like, you know, siblings, and that we had to also link, I mean, look how we just overthrew the government of Bolivia, you know, a progressive government. So it, we won't stop until we get rid of uh, the, the capitalist economic system. Secondly, I want to say that I totally agree about the peace movement. We have to win. And uh, we also have to link it with the climate justice movement. I mean, that's a thing that's going to destroy all life on this planet. So that's what I have to say. Well, you're 100% right. I was actually just about to say that because uh, ecologically, uh, the human race will not survive uh, four more years of Donald Trump. I mean, we're, we're in a species extinction crisis here, and we are a species (laughs) <laughs> Homo sapiens, whatever you want to call us, human beings, exactly. we are not going to survive four more years of this guy, and um, certainly not with wars. Nancy, thank you so much. I'm going to have to scoot because we're getting we're getting down to. It. I want to get everybody in. Uh, Barbara in the gardens. Barbara, you with us? Oh, having trouble with the button in there. Okay. Um, uh, the set is, we're having a, mo- a momentary crisis on the on the on the board. Uh, I am Harvey Slogan Washington, by the way, in case you're worrying about the deep male voice that is not Lyle Garrett's Lyle, uh, uh, as I said, was injured during the NFL pro- uh, playoffs, and uh, we'll be back with us uh, next week. Um, she's doing great. Uh, do we have Barbara? No? Okay. You want to try Clifford in Santa Monica? Clifford in Santa Monica, are you with us? Yes, I am. I've got a quick question. Please. In the aftermath of the Suleiman assassination, does Iraq have... Um, drone capacity so that they could reciprocate and um, do the same thing to our leader as we did to theirs. I'm kind of curious about that. Um, David or, or Alan Minsky, it's, a, it's a, a good question, Clifford. David, Alan Minsky, does Iraq or Iran have uh, have drones? Uh, yes, indeed, uh, and missiles uh, apart from drones and all sorts of other weapons, uh, and uh, U.S. bases by the dozens uh, surrounding uh, Iran in every direction. Uh, there is every possibility that Iran could uh, retaliate, but even some carefully calculated, precise uh, eye-for-an-eye retaliation of the same sort uh, would be viewed from Washington as a dramatic escalation and would result in a dramatic escalation. Trump has already threatened viciously and moronically on Twitter to retaliate for any theoretical retaliation. Uh, And I think it's important to note here, Harvey, that not only have we danced around this insanity for years, but we, the peace movement, have won numerous victories preventing a massive war on Iran, 
numerous times, including 2007, 2012, 2015, the Iran nuclear agreement, which was the restraint of the U.S. government from going to war. It wasn't some sort of restraint on Iran, as it's misunderstood by so many people. Uh, and again, now in 2020. Uh, so it, it, the victories don't get celebrated. Uh, you know, they don't get marked down in the history books. Uh, but we have prevented this very war many times and have to go on preventing it, uh, or we're all looking at, at environmental and all sorts of other uh, apocalyptic endings. Yeah, we are. And, um, you know, I got to say, uh, I was alive in 1963. I was conscious and reading the papers and during the Cuban, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis 62. And um, I, I did not, I was not as scared as I am today. You know, I, I had a, uh, a feeling that John Kennedy uh, was smart enough to get us out of this. And this guy is, is you know, he's a badass to trip, this, this guy in the White House. And uh, God knows what will happen. I mean, um, you know, he right. he has been quoted as saying that we have nuclear. What, what good is it to have nuclear weapons if we don't use them? I mean, what kind of lunatic says something like that? Am I well, understanding? US pre- most U.S. presidents, in fact, Daniel Ellsberg documented in his latest book. Uh, it's the vast majority of U.S. presidents since nukes were were invented. But you, but more often privately than publicly, Donald Trump, you know, is on Twitter threatening nuclear war. Uh, and, and and this militarism is not only the top form of of creating climate collapse, but it's left out of, of all the climate treaties and climate agreements and climate thinking. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't make the, the connection. Uh, and, and so we're, we're facing nuclear apocalypse and climate apocalypse, both in large part because of militarism. Right. I want to point out, by the way, uh, you know, the, the depth of the insanity of this guy in the White House, uh, that he was uh, at Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, entertaining his fellow, fellow billionaires at taxpayer expense, um, um, you know, giving new meaning and dimension to the term emoluments. And he actually, you know, sort of um, in a party mode announced to his crowd of billionaires at Mar-a-Lago that, that he had killed this, this fellow in, in, uh, in Iraq. I mean, this is like a, this is like a, you know, a, a sports event for this guy, and yeah. and uh, it, not, I mean, the depth of the cra- and he didn't, he did not, of course, inform the Democratic leadership of the Congress, um, uh, did not follow any sort of military protocol. In fact, um, the military advisors who were involved with this were horrified that he went ahead and did this, and uh, for and I got to say also, his his mafia boss, his owner, Putin. Has come out. Oh, for and, God's and, sake, Harvey yeah. Putin! It, if he had had one word with Putin, Putin would have told him not to do such an idiotic thing. This is this is a guy who has imposed vicious sanctions on Russia, done everything Russia didn't want, put, sent weapons into Ukraine to fight Russia, uh, has refused Russia on cyber war and weapons in space, created a space force. Uh, Russia wanted the Iran Agreement. Trump tore it up. It, this, it is amazing. Russiagate madness is going to is going. To destroy us it's quite amazing here what's what's really going on and, and you know the instability of the guy in the white house is truly astounding richard nixon i think was as crazy as he was but not quite we, we could probably have a whole other show on that we're almost at well, the end uh, david do you want to reannounce your uh event here at the peace center uh the peace center uh, on sepulveda in culver city 6 30 p.m on 
the 18th of January. We very much hope that Lila will be recovered from her football injuries and will be uh, <laughs> at the event along with numerous other great speakers, including Jody Evans and, uh, and wonderful music, uh, the likes of which we heard earlier on this program. Yes, uh, we're going to hear Tom is going to take us out. Uh, 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 Alan Minsky uh, from uh, Progressive Democrats of America, uh, a couple of last words. Well, I just want to um, a little bit, um, first of all, concur with David that, yes, they're having great victories for the peace movement. In 2012, for instance, uh, there was the very dangerous situation about U.S. Uh, further engagement in Syria. And at that time, you know, Roots Action and PDA partnered. A former PDA executive director, Tim Carpenter, was on Capitol Hill with Tom Hayden going door to door petitioning to prevent further escalation, and the further escalation did not take place. Those kind of things happen, and this is why engagement with organizations like Roots Action and PDA are essential to stop this. But I also will double down on my point about, yes, there have been great victories for the peace movement, but the reversal of and defeat of the U.S. military-industrial complex is almost inconceivable as a victory. And I do think right now, and I have to say this, and I'd be remiss if I did not, so I apologize for the for the uh, campaigning here, I do think that there is even a constitutive difference between Bernie Sanders 2020 and Bernie Sanders 2016 on foreign policy. It's much more direct. It is a different vision for U.S. foreign policy. His approach to this issue stands head and shoulders above his competitors, uh, some of which are absolutely reprehensible in their uh, at least soft embracing of what Trump has done. And so I do think we have an opportunity, and we have to be aware that if we are to get a Democratic nominee and even a president of the United States who opposes the U.S. military-industrial complex to the degree which Bernie is leaning towards and going towards, the opposition from the establishment is going to be so fierce, and we have to be prepared as a political movement to stand, support, and never relent in our efforts. Too. Totally agree. Okay. Amen to that. Uh, Barbara and Camarillo and Barbara and Gardenia, I'm afraid we're going to have to wait till next week. Our, our fond wishes go out to Lila Garrett. Thank you for letting me sit in for you today, Lila. You'll be back next week. And um, I want uh, Tom English, please, uh, uh, who is just magnificent, uh, to take it out with a live a cappella here from. Uh, and Lisette, thank you for run, running the board beautifully. We appreciate it. Uh, Tom Great. English, take us out, please. Got your bomb, got your gun. Looks like fun, but peace is better. <laughs> Click your fingers peace at home, Peace is folks. better. Peace is what we war for anyway. To do's to be done, y'all. Up and out and on the run, you find. Go get em. Peace is better. Even easy breathing through your day. You want your life to be red letter. Ooh, business with clients over brochetta. Knowing you are safe in your cafe. Peace is better. 
no blockade impeding your highway. Yeah, and even when it's you who makes the bombs and the guns, and even when you rake in those fat war funds, when it comes to going home, past the gates and police, they're there because you believe they guarantee you. Hello, I'm Armistead Maupin, author of Tales of the City. IMRU Radio Magazine has been the voice of the LGBT community in Southern California since 1974. And you can listen every Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on KPFK. Donating your car or boat is an excellent way to help KPFK stay alive and on air. All you have to do is call 